Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. You know, we're in a world today in the medical device industry where quality and regulatory professionals are faced with so many challenges and changes, regulations, requirements, new standards, revisions of old standards, and so on and so forth. The list goes on and on and on. And it's a real challenge for quality and regulatory and, and frankly, all medical device professionals to stay up with all the tsunami of changes and keep your finger on the pulse, so to speak. One of the things that I talk about with Mitch Robbins, the founder and managing director of the Anthony Micro Group on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, is what you can do to, to prepare yourself from a career perspective about all these changes. And one of the, the ideas that Mitch suggested that I think is a very good one is you have to be willing to put yourself in uncomfortable situations in order to learn and to grow. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory Greenlight Guru, John Spear. Uh, I thought we'd take a, a little bit of a twist today because there's so many things happening in the industry, specifically all these quality and regulatory changes, new ISO standards and new regulations, and and all of these things are, are hitting our industry in a big way right now. And I know there's a lot of things happening and, and a lot of things for us to try to keep up on as quality and regulatory professionals. And I, I thought, you know, who better to to help us understand what we need to do as quality and regulatory professionals to be prepared for these tsunami of changes than um, Mitch Robbins. Mitch is the founder and managing director at the Anthony Michael Group. Mitch, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thanks, John. I uh, really appreciate you having me on today. So I know those, you're welcome, and I, I'm sure some of you are like, well, why would you have the Anthony Michael Group? And let me tell you a little bit about uh, who the Anthony Michael Group is, and, and hopefully we can, you'll understand here very quickly. Anthony Michael Group is a, an executive search firm. Uh, they focus on placing regulatory and quality leadership talent all over the, the globe and have a huge focus on the medical device industry. So uh, in his role at uh, the Anthony Michael Group, Mitch is very involved in and uh, all of these changes are aware of all these changes that are happening to our industry because his job is to make sure that quality and regulatory professionals that are coming to him have the skill set that the companies that are hiring these people need to have. So is, is that a fair assessment, Mitch? Yeah, yeah, it's well said. I appreciate that. You know, you're dead on as far as just how rapidly things are changing uh, across the world. And I think it's more important than ever, regulatory and quality professionals understand not only their uh, their own function, but how it integrates with uh, with others across the uh, the companies. And so, I'm excited to dig in with you today. All right. So let's let's just do that and, and jump right into the topic. So, in your capacity, you're ta- hearing from a lot of companies, med device companies, all over the place, all shapes and sizes. And and I know you're talking to a lot of quality and regulatory professionals. So, 
in those conversations and, and that discovery that, that you've been doing, what are some common themes that you're uh, hearing about with respect to quality and regulatory that are impacting the medical device industry? You know, I think there's a lot of overwhelm right now. I think on one hand, you've got people who are trying to do whatever they can to expedite their time to market. On the other hand, they're they're trying to keep up with uh, all these post-market changes that they have to be responsible for. And I think everybody recognizes the the just huge impact these EU uh, MDR and IVDR changes are having. Um, And so right now, organizations are scrambling and trying to figure out you know, what are we going to do to change our strategy to keep up? Are we even going to market ourselves in the EU? Some organizations, you know, will die if they can't uh, market in the EU. So I think that's a, a huge thing. I would say that's the biggest thing, John. And then also just recognizing, you know, how quickly things are changing with some of these uh, new ISO standards that are coming out and how do quality and regulatory help the rest of the organization understand what needs to be done, but at the same time accomplish their product development goals. Yeah, and I think we're in a new era where uh, historically, I mean, I've been in the industry, as you know, for for well over 20 years now. And I would say historically speaking, sometimes the the quality and regulatory professionals within medical device companies are almost viewed at as obstacles to getting things done. And I think we're entering a new paradigm. Uh, One of the aspects of that that I think is important for people to think about and understand is is in order to get things done, uh, we as medical device companies are going to have to do a much better job of understanding and embracing quality and regulatory. What do you think? Absolutely. You know, I was going to say, you almost took the words out of my mouth. And I feel like for a long time, regulatory, especially regulatory, was seen as a must-have for a company. And I feel like as things are evolving, organizations are viewing regulatory as a respected business partner, a seat at the table and recognizing, man, uh, the more streamlined we can have our regulatory strategy and have the caliber of talent necessary to drive that strategy, what an impact is going to have on, on the trajectory of our business and the time to market and the success in the marketplace. And I think that is a huge transition from being seen as a, a must do in the past to now a, a more respected business partner. Yeah, that's a really good insight. And I think with all of these changes and, and this maybe this shift in, in the paradigm and how now quality and regulatory are being viewed as as um, peers who have a seat at that table, uh, I'm guessing that, that as a regulatory and a quality professional, we, there's probably things that we need to be paying attention to from a skill set standpoint. So you know, in your world, what skills do you view as must-have for that, that quality and that regulatory professional today? It's an interesting question because we both understand, and I think your audience understands, they're both technical functions. And so whether it's regulatory submissions or regulatory compliance or on the quality side dealing with, you know, building a quality management system or dealing with design control and, and all the risk uh, pieces that go along with it, that's that's one thing. But I think the bigger thing to be cognizant of is, how does your how does your function and your responsibility within the company fit with the other pieces of the business? So whether it's uh, marketing or it's engineering or R and D, um, how can you be a partner to the business and really understand the overarching strategy of the company in an effort to deploy the technical skill set that you do have to help the company uh, carry out the the bigger overarching strategy, almost a, more of a partner to the business, and I think. Also, 
you know, I, I had the opportunity to, to speak with a variety of uh, RAQA executives, and I asked them this question, you know, about the skill sets and how do they differentiate between um, a high performer versus someone who's not performing as well. And I think that there's often uh, two different mindsets. There's one that it's the police of the business, and then there's two of being a strategic partner and, and thinking outside the box. And I think the more you can figure out how to operate in the gray, still being compliant, but really helping your organization squeeze every ounce of your strategy to accomplish those goals, that's really where you're going to thrive. And I think those are the skill sets that you, that you really got to focus on building. And so you've been in this space now for a while, and and I suspect that, that what you just described, that this hasn't always been the case. So how have you seen the market change in the past five or 10 years or so? I mean, what, what was expected from a quality regulatory professional just a, a few short years ago is probably quite a bit different than it is today. Yeah, I think it, it goes to more of what we were talking about. It's just the level of respect where, uh, in my opinion, I feel as though it used to be your job is quality. You build a quality management system and uh, check off these boxes and let us know when it's complete so we can carry out the rest of our job. You take the paperwork necessary and checklist necessary to file our submission. Let us know when it's approved. We'll do the rest. And I really feel like there's just more of an integrated approach these days uh, and more of a a true cross-functional team, almost if you think of cogs in a wheel and every function is a piece of that wheel, I really feel like it's becoming more and more integrated and more and more respected as uh, quality and regulatory professionals as a part of that wheel. Yeah, I'll add to that a little bit. You know, I, th- I think just going back just a few years ago, it was more of um, the way organizations structured their business was more um, focused on functional responsibilities. You have engineering or maybe you know, even product development engineering and quality engineering and manufacturing engineering and marketing and sales and business, business development and regulatory and so on and so forth. And, and I still think that those uh, functional roles uh, are important, but I think now more than ever, it's, it's really critical for organizations to start to realize this cross-functional nature, this matrix type of structure uh, that, that runs more horizontal rather than the traditional vertical model approach. Exactly. Yep. So obviously a lot has changed in, in the past few years. I'll ask you to, to get your crystal ball out. And, uh, and I guess, what do you see happening in the, in the, from now and, and five years from now, and maybe 10 years from now, how do you see this evolving? Yeah. I, for that, I can I, I try and, uh, uh, bring out the crystal ball, so to speak, from the talent side. I think what's happening already is going to continue to happen is you're going to see more of the, the quote-unquote gig economy where um, organizations, because they're stretched so thin as baby boomers continue to retire at the rate that they're retiring, you're going to see more uh, consultants or more project-based work where maybe they're brought in to help with, you know, obtain a specific approval and they move on to another project. Um, I think it's going to be more of a contingent workforce. And, you know, there's economists out there that are projecting that by 2020, 40% of the workforce uh, within major sectors, which includes the life sciences, will be uh, in some way, shape, or form uh, consulting capacity. That's, I mean, that's huge. If you look back just the last few years and then, 
you know, kind of future cast or forecast the difference. I mean, that's, that's big time. So I think that's the biggest thing that I, I see changing. I, I want to remind folks, I'm talking with Mitch Robbins. Mitch is the founder and managing director at the Anthony and Michael group. Anthony and Michael group is a executive search firm focusing on quality and regulatory. And, and one of that market uh, sectors that they, they're experts in is medical device. Uh, you can learn more about Mitch and, and his team at the Anthony Michael Group. Very easy. TheAnthonyMichaelGroup.com. All one word, no spaces, no hyphens, no, no anything. It's all TheAnthonyMichaelGroup.com. So go check them out and see what they're doing. I know that uh, we at Greenlight have been leveraging Mitch and his expertise and his team's expertise in a big way as we're growing our quality and regulatory resources in-house and in you may ask, why does an EQMS provider such as Greenlight Guru uh, look to have additional quality and regulatory resources on their team? Well, folks, it's quite simple. Greenlight Guru is an EQMS platform designed specifically and exclusively for the medical device industry by actual medical device professionals. And in addition to providing a out-of-the-box, ready-to-go EQMS platform that meets all of your ISO 1345, FDA 20, EUMDR, ISO 14971, and so on and so forth, regulations and requirements. We have a team of medical device gurus on staff who are here, who are experts in quality and regulatory, including all of these changes that are hitting our industry right now, and they're resources for our customers. So they're that extra bandwidth and extra capacity. And as Mitch just alluded to, we can be resources to help you with some of these project-based initiatives and, you know, it's it's just a great resource to consider. So if you're interested in learning more about what we do at Greenlight Guru, I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru, read all about our software, all about our platform. And if you like what you're reading and, and uh, want to learn more, it's very simple. Just request a demo. We'd be happy to have a conversation with you. All right. So, Mitch, we've talked a little bit about the, the lay of the land, so to speak, from a quality and regulatory perspective, where the market has been, where it is, a little bit of where it's going. So, shifting gears a little bit, let's, let's try to bring it home and, and give some tangible advice and, and pointers and tips to those who maybe are interested in, in these types of opportunities. So I guess first, let's start with what advice would you give to uh, a QARA professional who's already in the industry? What should they be doing to stay current with all of these changes? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we uh, as recruitment consultants always coach our clients, the companies that are hiring talent, to, to really build a rock-solid EVP, employer value proposition. What about the organization and the opportunities is so compelling, so different, that would help stop somebody dead in their tracks and consider a, a conversation uh, with uh, that respective organization. The flip side is the CVP, the candidate value proposition. So you want to be thinking about yourselves as a brand. What are you doing to build your portfolio of expertise, your portfolio of recognition, uh, your portfolio of uh, outcomes that you've been able to deliver so that when it is time to start exploring, you've got a whole portfolio behind yourself. <clears throat> and so to do that, there's a couple of things. One is take risk wherever you can internally within your organization. Volunteer for projects that are not necessarily part of your stated scope of responsibility. 
put yourself in uncomfortable situations. That's where you grow. That's where you learn. The more you volunteer for projects that are tangent to, to the work that you're already doing, the more visible you're going to become in the organization, the more you're going to put yourself in this uh, um, position to be recognized and to potentially uh, gain, I guess, um, uh, ambassadors that will help you get to where you want to be career-wise, especially in the organization. If nothing else, you continue to strengthen your expertise for future opportunities. You can follow influencers online. John, I know you provide such great insight and information on what's going on with the marketplace uh, on your Greenlight website. Um, there's a variety of influencers on social media. There's a variety of conferences you can go to to stay current, uh, various associations. But I think those are, those are the major things is take risk, volunteer where you can, and continue to think about your, your um, career as a candidate value proposition, building that portfolio. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's it's hard to put yourself in a situation where you're not uh, always comfortable. But this is something that that I um, work with our team here a lot at Greenlight Guru. Is you know, if if you're comfortable, uh, you're you're being complacent and you're you're stagnating. You're not growing. So you've got to stretch your limits a little bit. Get outside your comfort zone, because in order for um, true growth. I think for an individual, you have to get into those areas that are outside your comfort zone. You have to be uncomfortable and doing so will kind of broaden your sphere of, of comfortability, if you will. Um, but uh, you got to stretch yourself a little bit. And I think that's a really good tip. So I don't know if the advice is the same or different, but uh, I do get um, uh, queries from time to time of somebody that's an automotive or you know, some other industry and, you know, they're looking for a career change. Uh, and, and they, it's hard because <laughs> I remember when, well, throughout my career that I, I think sometimes the med device industry, like we're, um, I don't know what the right word is, so I'll avoid putting a negative label on it. But I think sometimes we're maybe skeptical that someone outside of the medical device industry can contribute value because, you know, I get it. It's, it's a, uh, there's a whole new lexicon of terms. You're dealing with different regulations and criteria and requirements and so on and so forth. So if you're not in the med device industry, but you want to enter into it, it there, there are some barriers, but I'm wondering what advice do you have for folks that out there listening that, that might have an interest of entering into the med device industry from a QARA perspective? You know, it's really interesting you asked me that because I was just thinking uh, we should back up for a minute. And you said, where do I see the market in five years? I'm wondering if at some point organizations are going to have to start to realize maybe we need to look to different sectors uh, for talent and how do we how do we take the skills that they have and help mentor them on the skills they would need to cross over. And you're starting to see that even in healthcare, hospitals are starting to look at CEOs that don't have a healthcare background. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. One is that they provide different insight and different perspective to help drive the initiatives of that uh, healthcare organization. They might have not thought about had they not brought somebody from outside the industry. And so I think for those looking to enter the medical device, I think you got to, number one, you got to network your butt off. And what you have to do is you have to identify what are these organizations struggling with in a position that you are trying to get into. So for example, if you're a quality specialist um, in, in one uh, industry, you're trying to transfer over, really try to identify what are the pain points that they're struggling with uh, where you might be able to demonstrate how you can help. 
same thing goes for, for regulatory. If you're, for example, regulatory affairs or a regulatory position in another uh, sector, what you want to do is you want to understand where is the transfer of knowledge? What is the transfer of skill set? Next thing you want to do is when you do establish the opportunity to have some meetings with people in medical device who could help you get your foot in the door, you want to be very humble. You want to acknowledge what you don't know, but you also want to be very resourceful and explaining how you would go about finding the answers. And I think an organization that sees somebody who's hungry, sees somebody who's resourceful, sees somebody who's been diligent in trying to understand their world and how they can add value, um, that's, I think, the best uh, advice I could give is network your butt off, be resourceful, and be humble, and try to figure out how you, you can make a case for how your tr- uh, skill set can transfer over. And, and I will add a couple of other things for folks to consider who are trying to make industry tra- transitions into quality and regulatory and the med device. Really good resource uh, for regulatory professionals and, and frankly, quality and, and uh, all med device professionals, frankly. There's a, a group called RAPS, Regulatory Affairs Professional Society. You can check out their website, RAPS, R-A-P-S dot O-R-G. Uh, have a lot of really good content, but there is also you know, certifications that you can achieve uh, from a regulatory affairs perspective. Uh, you know, it's it's hard work. It, it takes a little bit of extra effort. There are some costs that, that are associated with that. But having that sort of uh, background and credentials and being able to apply that, and as Mitch pointed out, you relate your current experiences to, to the med device industry, I think is important. Another uh, thing that I think is important for more geared toward quality professionals would be to, to explore like some sort of um, quality certification. I mean, you can look at becoming a certified quality auditor uh, or a certi- certified quality engineer for med device. So, you know, there's there's some specific uh, things that you can consider from like a continuing education perspective that, that would be assets to you as well as you're considering that transition. Yeah, really good points. <clears throat> the, the last thing I have to wrap up our conversation today is I, I also get a lot of inquiries and a lot of interest from students and, and um, in some cases, you know, brand new grads, you know, and maybe they're, they're um, finishing or in the process of going through a degree program, like in biomedical engineering, that's a pretty common uh, degree for, for uh, entry level med device professionals. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, and I hope that more and more people continue to join these programs because we, we need them uh, as the future of our, our workforce. Um, I'd say a couple of things. I'd say any opportunity to establish an internship or make contacts and, uh, and, and get in at the ground level would be great. I want to say something about what I'm seeing happening uh, with, with formal education, and that is uh, this trend of a master's degree. Uh, have, you, have you noticed that, John? Uh, a master's in regulatory affairs? Uh, a little bit. I've seen a little bit of that, but I've talked to quite a few folks who, who are pursuing those, those advanced degrees. Yes, I've seen it as well. What I would say is the feedback I'm getting from hiring managers who are interviewing folks with these master's degrees in regulatory affairs is that there's, you know, there's this notion that what you're learning in the master's program is all that you need to be successful. And I would, I would encourage people who are students right now or, or recent grads thinking about, you know, two different tracks. Do I try to get into an organization now or do I go straight for my master's degree and, and uh, pursue it in regulatory affairs? 
I would encourage you to do whatever you can to get your teeth cut in an organization, put yourself in a position to learn hands-on the technical functions of either quality or regulatory. From there, the master's degree is only going to supplement and help you uh, with the work and the experience that you're gaining. But I think you're going to approach that master's degree with a different perspective and take away different things than you might otherwise take if you went straight for your master's degree. That's what, that's what I would say. No, that's a really good tip. Um, and um, one other thing that, that I would share for students in biomed programs, and, and I've talked with a lot of, of uh, professors and, and heads of BME programs at a number of different institutions across the country, and uh, oftentimes from those professors and, and heads of BME, uh, I'm asked, what, what can they do to better prepare students for uh, the world uh, outside of college uh, as a medical device professional? And unequivocally, 100% of the time, my response is the same. Teach more quality and regulatory at the undergrad level uh, because of a lot of the, the things that you and I have been talking about today. So if you're a student and you're in one of these BME programs, I would start asking your professors how you get more knowledge on quality and regulatory. I know some, some programs are really, really good and they have, you know, dedicated courses uh, throughout the, you know, the four-year degree program that, that have focus on quality and regulatory. And, and I know other times there might be a lecture on it every now and then. So encourage your your uh, educational uh, resources to um, consider adding more quality and regulatory. In fact, that's one of the things that, that we're doing here at Greenlight. We're partnering with quite a few uh, BME programs throughout the country. We, we have a relationship with UNC, NC State, their joint biomedical engineering program. We have a relationship with the University of Pittsburgh's biomedical engineering program, Virginia Tech, University of Texas, Austin, and uh, there are quite a few others where we're in discussions about exploring this. But that, that would be one other thing that I would encourage students. Even if your program doesn't offer that, get that knowledge. These, these sources that Mitch and I have been talking about today, uh, they're also available to you. So, you know, do your due, due diligence, network, get internships, you know, self-educate if, if it's not offered as part of your degree program. It's just going to make you a better, well-rounded medical device uh, candidate uh, when it comes time to get those jobs. So, um, Mitch, kind of wrapping things up today, any other uh, uh, final words or thoughts that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, if you don't mind, I'd like to share something that I think could be of value to your audience. You know, at the Anthony Michael Group, we recently just built a uh, no-cost, a no-obligation career vault. And it's called the RAQA Elite Career Vault. And, and I built this with the understanding and uh, basically the understanding that we all fall on a career continuum. There's people who unfortunately lost their position, need one yesterday. There's those that are looking to retirement but thinking they want to keep their uh, hands on the pulse uh, and do some consulting. And then there's everybody in between who are happy, gainfully employed, but recognize this isn't their last stop on, on their uh, career journey and want to continue to, to uh, uh, stay current and stay fresh and, and keep abreast of what's going on. So I built this vault of resources in the form of videos and uh, slide presentations and audios from executives across the country talking about, you know, if they were to build their career again, uh, looking back, or if they are building their teams now, what do they look for? 
And so it's no charge to quality and regulatory professionals. And so if anybody's interested in taking a look, we're in the pilot phase right now. You can certainly email me at Mitch at the Anthony I'd be happy to create you a login and a password. But uh, otherwise, John, I'm very appreciative of you having me on today. I think you guys do a fantastic job with not only with your podcast, but uh, what you guys are doing at, at Greenlight. I'm, again, appreciative of you having me on. Oh, you're welcome. The, the, really, the pleasure is all mine. I, Mitch, as we've gotten to know each other uh, briefly over the past few weeks, uh, I, I can tell that you are very passionate about, uh, about quality and regulatory and about helping both the candidate looking for opportunities as well as the company companies looking for candidates. In my experience, you're way different than any other uh, executive recruiter I've ever uh, come across before. So, so thank you for that. Folks, uh, we'll include, uh, uh, of course, a link to the Anthony Michael group on the, the text that accompanies this podcast. And as Mitch just mentioned, if you're interested in learning more about this fall and how it could be a resource for you, just reach out to him, Mitch at the anthonymichaelgroup.com. Last thing I want to share with you all, of course, you're listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. And um, you might not realize this, that Greenlight Guru, we have a second podcast that we recently launched. Uh, it's really cool. It's exciting. It's fun for me. Uh, it's called MedTech True Quality Stories. It's a little bit of a different twist from the Global Medical Device Podcast in MedTech True Quality Stories. Uh, we get to talk with uh, CEOs and executives and, and other medical device professionals who are, you know, sort of, they're in the trenches. They're at these, these med device companies, in some cases, startups, in some cases, established companies. But they're sharing their stories of true quality uh, with me and, and talking about some of the obstacles and challenges that they have to overcome as medical device professionals. So wherever you are listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast, uh, you can just do a search for MedTech True Quality Stories. Check it out. Give it a listen. Give it a thumbs up, uh, a like, and, and please share this with your friends and colleagues as well. So as always, uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This is the host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight, Guru John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. <laughs>